calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Realm Presents Echo Park, starring Harry Shum Jr. Episode 9. Terrence, Brentwood Park, August 20th. My phone vibrates as I step out of the car in front of Sophia Newhouse's address. It shows a series of texts from James. I swipe to dismiss them all. I'm not interested in talking to him right now. Maybe not ever again. Sophia's house is ultra-modern. Solar panels on the roof. Privacy glass with software-adjustable tints. An electric smart car is parked out front. I wonder what Mia Capricorn, who lived in Elysian City Heights projects, would have thought of her source having such upscale digs. Mia could never have dreamt of living here. Cost aside, Fancy rentals like this require background checks designed for echoes to fail. Another text from James. I consider turning it off, but it feels vindictively good to ignore James while he begs for attention. It isn't often that I'm the one in control. James again. This time he's calling. I hit decline. I have shit to do. I don't want to talk to you. I'm hanging up and then I'm blocking you. Benny Gemini's dead. James sounds panicked. It takes a moment to process the words. How, how do you know? The police found his body. I'm at the station. I sent you screenshots. J- just look. The front door swings open, and Sophia Newhouse stares at me, holding a duffel bag. Terrence? Is everything okay? Jesus, is that Sophia? Benny's dead, Terrence, which means she wasn't telling the truth about him. Get the fuck out of there, Terry. I reply loudly. I'm sorry, Xander, this really isn't a good time. Uh, You can't keep calling me outside of office hours, okay? Sophia points at her car. I'm on my way out. Walk and talk? I nod as she closes and locks her front door. Xander, do those meditation exercises like I told you. Sit still, stay quiet, and just listen. Got that? James's reply is shaky. Yes, but be careful. I will. Bye, Xander. 
Sophia loads her duffel bag into the electric car. I turn down the volume on my phone and quickly pull up the images in my text. I feel sick, looking at Benny's half-rotten human face. Benny, Gemini, Mia Capricorn's partner, the prime suspect in her murder. But if Benny is dead, if he's been dead long enough to decompose, if someone buried him in a cemetery to hide his body, what does that mean about Mia's killer? I shove my phone into the front pocket of my jeans. Sophia checks her phone, then drops it into her purse. It was so important you had to come find me at home, Terrence. Roke, I blurt. I need to keep Sophia talking. Distract her so she doesn't decipher the expression on my face or notice the sweat building on my palms. What's happening with Roke? They're not acting like themselves, and I'm worried. You know, I, I, I talk to them myself, but I, I mean, you know our history, so I thought maybe you could help. You know, talk to Roke for me. They'll listen to you. They care about you, Sophia. She's nodding, lips pursed, as she roots in her purse for her keys. I dare a step closer to her. After everything you helped us with at the retreat, I know we can trust you. It's more of a question than I want it to be. Of course, that's the moment Sophia withdraws her hand from her purse. She wasn't reaching for keys. She aims a handgun at my face. This is all very interesting, but I'm on a schedule here. Let's go for a ride. James. I hit the mute button. My exhalation fogs up the screen, growing faster the longer I listen to what's happening between Terrence and Sophia on the other end. I stumble out of the police bullpen toward the kitchen area, looking for water. Has the kitchen always been this far away? Every step feels like it takes a million years as I move my legs through invisible muck. I hear Terrence pleading with her. Sophia, Sophia, please just calm down, okay? Put the gun away. Gun? My pulse spikes. I lose my balance and throw out one arm, pressing my hand against the wall to steady myself. As I do, my hand slips and I accidentally touch the phone screen. Call ended. I stare at the phone wide-eyed. Fuck! Terrence has just been kidnapped by Sophia Newhouse, and I just lost our only line of connection. But if Terrence is in danger, I have to help him. The rideshare driver makes it as far as he can. I specifically requested a human driver to increase the chances of getting around any obstacles, even if it means breaking a few traffic regulations. We already ran three red lights, went the wrong way down a one-way street, and made two illegal U-turns. But. Any police who saw us have bigger fish to fry. Finally, we hit an actual roadblock. Another Echo's rights protest. The street beyond is completely filled with people. Some with homemade signs, others waving their fists in the air. Everybody is furious, on edge, waiting for the spark to ignite another riot. I end the ride, thanking the driver and tipping them exorbitantly. Then, I step out of the air-conditioned car into a warm, wet breeze that immediately feels sticky. Oh yeah, I'm still sweating out drugs. I fumble with my wallet while walking to the police cordon. A stocky uniform officer holds up a palm. Sorry sir, you can't come through here. I hold up my county ID. Civil advisor, I was called up to this location. You got plain clothes up there. I don't know. I'm not asking you. Look, I'm telling you. I'm going to deal with this shit 
Officer McNally, batch number 30509. You're recording, right? He blanches. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, of, of, of course I'm. I lean down and put my face right up against his badge so the embedded body cam has a clear view. Los Angeles County Civil Advisor for Public Safety, James Zhang, Z-H-A-N-G, access code 7191024, moving on. I stumble over the barricade and push my way into the seething crowd. Terrence, I hope James is getting useful information on the other end of this phone call. I'm running out of plausible things to ask Sophia. You killed both of them. Mia and Benny? Sophia's mouth twitches. Not quite a smile. The car is driving itself, leaving both her hands free to hold the gun on me. This isn't therapy. I don't want to talk, Terrence. Everyone wants to talk. Look, I'll take you on as a patient, so everything you tell me is confidential, okay? Sophia laughs. <laughs> is this where I give you a dollar? And you write me a receipt so everything will stand up in court? This isn't a stupid movie. That's not how the world works. We talk a good game in the circle, but we need to think beyond it. I feel sick. We? Oh my god. The pieces finally click into place. I jerk upright. You're... You're Mia. Mia Capricorn. Alpha clone. Not so dead after all twitches her gun at my chin. Well, shit, Terrence. You got me talking after all. You must be an excellent therapist. I stare at the muzzle of the gun. You... You killed Sophia. Sophia, who was so kind to us growing up. She was the first person to really talk to us about the outside world. To try to prepare us for integrating with society. Mia just tisked. I replaced Sophia. She didn't deserve this life any more than you or I deserve to grow up in a prison camp. I flinch. The retreat wasn't- Spoken like a true beta. Are you actually going to defend those rich fucks? They made us on a shitty whim and discarded us on a shittier one. Look, I'm, I'm not defending them, but why Benny? Weren't you two partners? Nah, he never listened to me. Never wanted to hear my side. He was only using me to fulfill his childhood crush on Sophia. I reach a hand toward her. Mia, just talk to me. We can figure this out together. She raises the gun. No, but you are going to help me with something. Now that they've found Benny's body, there will be all sorts of questions circling. You're going to help me tie up loose ends. My gaze drifts to the gun again. What kind of loose ends? No more questions! I don't want to kill you, Terrence! I don't want to kill anyone. They just made me so... Just help me with one thing, okay? Then you'll never see me again. Nobody else needs to know. Keep it inside the circle, right? All right, Mia. There's no way in hell Mia is going to let me go. Not after telling me all this. But I nod anyway. What am I going to do? Piss off the woman with the gun? As much as I hate to admit it, James is my only hope of salvation now. It takes me nearly half an hour to move four blocks east through the crowd of protesters. People keep recognizing my face and calling out, Terrence! That draws even more attention. And when people see my injuries, they assume it's police brutality, and I have to talk them down. I do my best to steer people away from the police, 
who move on the crowd with riot shields, batons, and handheld sonic pulsers. LAPD has strict regulation around sound-based non-lethals. They can only fire in short bursts to reduce the risk of permanent hearing damage. Of course, that doesn't stop officers from modifying their equipment. And I definitely spot a few shirking this rule. I break away from a line of sign-carrying echoes and make for a lone uniform in an empty parking lot barricaded with police cars. You! There! Officer! Cap's interface! I hold my county ID aloft, trusting that the uniform's display goggles will pick up the coded signal. That's close enough! The young officer waves at me, his eyes moving as he scans the information in his goggles. Okay, I got you, CA Zhang. What do you need? I need you to call down monitoring drones. They've got officers using illegally modified sonics. The uniforms face scrunches. I take advantage of the rookie hesitation. Do you know what kind of liability those assholes are exposing the department to? If any protesters lose their hearing, it's just we don't have drones to spare. We're enforcing a traffic perimeter all around Echo Park. I am making a formal request as civil advisor. You remember all this is being recorded, right? I point at his badge for good measure. Is the timestamp going to show you waited an entire minute before acting to protect people? Okay, okay. Dispatch, this is Seaberg at Logan, and- I punch him as hard as I can. Seaberg goes down immediately. I catch him before he hits the ground. Seaberg, dispatch, say that again? I pitch my voice up to imitate the rookie. Dispatch, Seaberg, disregard, 1040, out. That satisfies the dispatcher. I drag Seaberg to the nearest police car, open the door, and sit him down inside. Then I use his palm to unlock the dash computer and hope the rookie has high enough access to run a trace. He does. I enter Terrence's cell phone number. The dashboard lights up with a street map and zooms in on a blinking red dot. Terrence. At the speed he's moving, he must be in a car. Sophia's car. They're headed toward Echo Park. I start the police car, then drag Seaberg out and lay him on the ground. After a moment of hesitation, I grab Seaberg's badge and pin it to my shirt. Then I instruct the car to follow Terrence. I hear the pulse of the crowd through the closed windows of Mia's car as we drive past. The front entrance to the Circle building is completely blocked by a throng of people pushing against the police barricade. One officer on a loudspeaker tells the crowd to disperse or they'll be arrested for unlawful assembly. Why are we here? I ask. Mia ignores me, tapping on the navigation controls with one hand while keeping the gun on me with the other. The car zigzags to the Circle's back entrance in an alley off Alvarado. A single uniformed police officer stands outside. He shouts and waves as he walks towards the car. Mia stops the car and lowers the gun out of sight. Get out! Tell him anything but the truth. I open my door. I know exactly what to say. Greetings, fellow public servant. The cop has one hand on his holster. Sir, you can't be here. This is a restricted area. I'm authorized to be here. Don't you recognize me, officer? I'm James Zhang, civil advisor to the Los Angeles police. Mia leaps out of the car and points her gun at the cop. The officer's hands fly up. Don't fucking move. Get his gun, James. I mutter an apology as I pull the cop's gun out of its holster. It's heavier than I expected. Before I can turn, Mia's on top of me, reaching over my shoulder to press something against the cop's neck. The man's eyes go glassy, and he crumples to the ground. 
What the fuck was that? I cry. He'll be fine. I'm not dumb enough to kill a cop. Get inside. We're going to the basement. James. When my stolen police cruiser pulls up to the back of the circle, I find an abandoned EV in the alley, an unconscious uniform officer on the ground, and the fire door flung open. All of these things indicate a very bad situation. But I've already made my decision. No matter what it takes, I'm getting Terrence out of here safely. I step into the church, wincing as the floorboards creak. I freeze for a moment, straining my ears. I don't hear a thing. I walk into the hallway next to the kitchen and catch voices echoing from somewhere far away. I follow the sound down a set of basement stairs, treading lightly on the outside of each one. Haven't decided about your partner yet. A woman's voice. Ex-partner. Hey, I believe in you too. I'll help rekindle the flame. <laughs> I move quickly until I see around the shelves at the bottom of the stairs. I poke my head out and spot Roque in the center of the basement, arms raised. Facing them, backs turned my way, are Sophia and Terence. Sophia holds two guns, one for each hand. Terence lies on the floor, bleeding from his lower lip. Roque spots me. For a brief second, their eyes widen. They give a single quick head shake. I slide back behind the shelves. This is even worse than I imagined. I don't suppose you care that killing Echoes is still murder, Mia, Roque says. Mia? The realization hits me. Too late. Mia killed Sophia and took her place. An actual case of source replacement. Just what the masses fear from Echoes. I bite my lip. How will the rest of the world react to this? Meanwhile, Mia scoffs. <laughs> You're right. I don't. What I care about are Iskander Aquarius's private files. What private files? Roque asks. I know you have access. I just want a copy. I really don't know what- Cut the bullshit, Roque. You want Terrence to lose more teeth? At the sound of his name, Terrence groans. I inspect the shelves I'm hiding behind, searching for something, anything to use as a weapon. Think about what you're asking me to do, Mia. Our people gave Iskender that information and confidence. We can't betray the Circle's trust. Oh, trust me, Roque. I'm helping our people. I might be the only one who really can. What the hell does that mean? I can't tell you yet, but you know we need more allies outside the Circle. We've tried that. What do you think we've been doing all this time? With the church, with Terrence's work in the community, hell, even his source- Fuck that! You think the sources care about us? Just because they pass some laws? We're lab rats to them. We'll never have power unless we take it. So this is your solution? Echoes kill our sources and take over their lives? We have as much right to these lives as they do. Maybe more. Just look at James Zhang. Look at everything that fuckboy has. Did he earn any of it? Did he have to work for it? No. He just had the good fortune to be selected, while poor Terry was discarded like trash. The hell are you talking about, Mia? We were experiments. You said it yourself. Lab rats. Oh, 
You think some rich assholes didn't throw money at Arcogen to pick the best embryo to take home? It's always been about control. All those tests and evaluations weren't for our health. The parents just wanted more data to make their decisions. My head spins. This is part of Mia's whacked out conspiracy theory. It has to be. But I, I can't deny. Some parts ring scarily true. My father wouldn't have wanted a sensitive boy like Terence. My mother always praised my ambition. Until I fell short. Then their disappointment became relentless. I put a hand against the cold concrete wall to steady myself. The world shifts around me again. Just like the day when I first met Terence. Terence. Jesus. How is he feeling right now hearing all of this? island in frigid lake superior a fabricated creature birthed from the mind of a disturbed genius stalks the very people who created it ancestor by number one new york times best-selling author scott sigler is a classic tale of science gone horribly wrong available wherever you get your podcasts terrence sophia mia told me all this before but seeing the look on Roque's face as I hear the truth, a surge of unfamiliar anger electrifies my body. But I won't let this define me. I know what I really believe deep down. No echo is less worthy than their source. Life is unfair, sure, but it's unfair to everyone in different ways. As a therapist, I've seen inside enough other lives to know that no single choice makes or breaks a person. It often takes years in therapy to untangle someone's issues because it takes years to twist someone up in the first place, one knot at a time. James and I are equals. Neither one of us deserve less love than the other, regardless of our life choices. But Roque doesn't have the same comparison. Roque never met their source. I glimpsed the uncertainty behind Roque's eyes and I know I have to derail their train of thought. I spit a mouthful of blood and lever myself up on one arm. It doesn't matter how we got here, Mia. We're responsible for our choices. You didn't have to kill all those people. Roque gasped. What do you... Oh, fuck. She killed Sophia? I barely have time to appreciate the clarity returning to Roque's expression before Mia pistol whips me, sending me toppling back to the floor. Oh, we're wasting time. Shall I finish removing Teabag's front teeth, Roque? Or maybe I'll go for a molar. She looms over me. Roque raises both hands. Okay, okay. The dad is upstairs, on the computer. You go first. I'll bring your partner. Roque cuts a glance my way. He's not my partner. Just then, shoes squeak against the concrete. All three of us whip around. James strolls out from behind a shelf as casual as if it were a dinner party. Mia Capricorn, you're under arrest for multiple homicides. Mia points a gun at him, keeping the other trained on me. Is that so? I want to cuss out James for whatever monumentally stupid plan he must be enacting. What does he think he's doing? Barging in with no weapon or backup, confronting a killer empty-handed? He's probably still high, 
Fucking James. At least Mia hasn't shot him yet. She only grins. Of course. She's probably insane. You've been through a lot, Mia. James probably means for his tone to be soothing, but it's completely wrong for the circumstances. I'm not saying what you did was right, but if you share your story, people will understand. <laughs> share my story? Share my fucking story? This isn't AA, you fucktard junkie. Nobody cares what I've been through. All they'll see is an echo who killed her source. You're more than that. You have your own story, James says. A flicker of something like doubt crosses her face. Then she walls it up behind a veneer of anger. No, I don't. I never have. My story revolves around Sophia. It still does. Even now. Sophia's dead. I killed her. And somehow this is still her fucking story? Just tell me why. Why what? Why did I write fuck clones all over her body? I don't know. I panicked. Or, or why did I kill her? Why shouldn't I? She killed me first, before we were even out the womb. She killed me. James takes a sliding step toward Mia. I tense. I glance at Roke, but they don't notice. They're staring at James, intent and focus. Let me help you, James says. Mia spits. I don't need your help. Okay, what do you want? She sneers. I told you already. Roke, get me the files. She jerks with the gun, gesturing for James to move out of the way. He doesn't. Before or after you kill us. Seriously, James? If I were in good enough shape to punch him right now, I would. Do not provoke the woman with the guns. But Mia just laughs. <laughs> I'm sorry. You missed that part. Loser's choice. Do you want the fast death or the slow one? Hey, Roke, which one of these so-called men do you think will pass out first once I start pulling fingernails? I said... I'd get you the data. Leave them alone. She nods at the steps. Fine. You go first. Roke steps forward, flashing me a warning look. Oh no. I open my mouth to say something. Stop them. But it's too late. James. The whole time, I don't even look at Terrence or Roke. I never take my eyes off Mia's hands. The moment Roke makes their move, throwing their weight sideways to knock Mia off balance, I lunge. I'd been agonizing about what to do until I realized the camera in Seaberg's badge was still recording. Whatever happens next, there will be tamper-proof video evidence. I just have to be in a position to witness it. Lunging forward, I grab Mia's right wrist and shove it upward, hard. The Glock fires into the ceiling. Terrence leaps up and grabs Mia's other arm, twisting it behind her back. She yelps as Roke wrestles the other pistol out of her left hand. Mia elbows me in the face, and I drop her arm. She swings the Glock down, pulls the trigger. I've never been shot before. The bullet tears through my right thigh. I feel an incredible heat, then pain. 
I like buckles. I tip sideways, grabbing whoever's within reach as I do. All four of us hit the floor. I manage to grab Mia's right wrist and smash her hand against the concrete. The Glock skitters across the room. Roke wrenches Mia's left arm even further behind her back. I feel something pop. Her left side goes limp. Terrence holds the other gun now. He backs away, keeping the 3D printed pistol trained on Mia. Roke yanks Mia off me, props me up against a dusty shelf, and examines my wounded leg. Apply pressure here, they say, moving my right hand. I ignore the pain and the sensation of blood squirting through my fingers. I press down where Roke instructs, groaning as I do. Breathe, I tell myself. Just breathe. Roke looks at Terrence. You got her? I got her, Terrence says. Mia weeps openly now, though it's unclear if it's the pain of her dislocated shoulder or despair at her plan being ruined. Roke retrieves the Glock and presses it into my left palm. Both of you, keep an eye on her. Will do, I promise. At least the pain keeps my head clear. I'll get help, Roke straightens. Just walk out the front door. Tons of cops out there, Terrence says. Roke nods. Be right back. They go upstairs. Mia has stopped crying. She now glares daggers at me. I meet her gaze with a flinch. What are we going to do with her? Terrence asks. Mia uses her right arm to push herself into a sitting position. Yeah, James. What are you going to do? Going to talk me out of it? Or do you have the balls to actually do something? She looks at the gun and starts dragging herself across the floor toward me. Taryn steps between us. Whoa, stop! Stop! She doesn't stop. Terrence drops to his knees and grabs her left shoulder. Mia howls, but levers her body up and back, slamming into Terrence. She rolls on top of him. Stop! I keep the Glock as steady as I can, still applying pressure to my left wound with my other hand. Mia and Terrence are both on their knees, but now Mia holds a 3D printed pistol against Terrence's neck. Drop it! Or I drop your echo! She growls. Terrence locks eyes with me. I'm okay, James. I'm not afraid to die. Shut the fuck up! Still staring at Terrence, I let my arm fall. The Glock clatters to the floor. No, Mia, you don't want to kill another Echo. I'm the spoiled source. Like Sophia, I'm the one you want. Mia licks her lips. She starts chuckling. Finally, she laughs out loud. Then she stretches her left arm and raises it up. It wasn't dislocated after all. There's something in her hand. She stabs a small syringe into Terrence's neck. His face contorts, then goes slack. She lowers his limp body to the ground and shuffles forward. What? I slur. The world goes hazy at the fringes. My leg throbs, but it doesn't hurt as much anymore. I look down and realize my right hand lost its grip on the wound. Blood gushes freely now. Mia pokes the muzzle of her pistol into my chest. I look up again. She smiles. Oh, he'll be fine. Like you said, I don't want to kill another Echo. My people have suffered enough. With great effort, I reach for the pistol with both hands. I manage to twist the muzzle away from my chest. <gasps> Are we playing this game now? They both reach for the gun. Ooh, fun. Mia moves the pistol, dragging my arms along with it. 
Finally, she jams the muzzle up under my jaw. My heart beats in my throat. The world goes hazy at the edges. I'm not sure if it's shock, the bleeding, or just plain denial. I let my arms fall. I give in. That's when Mia gives a little gasp and slides the gun away, pushing it under her own chin. I blink, confused. Don't! Mia slides the nozzle back to me. <laughs> you want to be a clone just so... So what? You don't have to deal with your family or your shitty job? That's pathetic. You don't deserve any life, you original sinner. She presses the gun hard into my chest. I know why you pretended to be Terrence James. I understand wanting to inhabit another life. But his life? That spineless slug? Why? Why? I look over at Terry's unconscious body, but she presses the nozzle to the side of my face to bring me back to her. Our eyes lock. Oh my God. You do care for him. Mia moves the gun back to her neck. Instinctively, I grab the gun. We struggle, and my hands slip with sweat and blood. I'm not sure where the trigger is, whose finger is on it, which neck it's pointed at. For a second, I think this is it. I'm done. Then, Mia's eyes go glassy. I've never watched anyone die before. Her body topples sideways and smacks against the concrete. Then everything goes quiet, at least for a little while. I meet Terrence's eyes. Then I hear Roque shouting, indistinct at first, but the words grow louder, clear. What did you do? They scream over and over again, echoing off the walls. What did you do? What did you do? What did you do? Terrence, Echo Park, August 22nd. It's two days before I see James again. When the police stormed the basement and found Mia's body, they were occupied long enough for Roque to sneak out onto the street in front of the circle and deliver a very impressive speech, preemptively calming everyone down before they rioted. The news is still replaying bits of it on James's hospital room TV when I come in. What's shaking, Tear Bear? You're pretty chipper for someone who almost died? Well, I found a new appreciation for being alive. I scan his room for medication, an IV, anything I should be worried about. I was expecting him to be doped up on pain meds for his leg. It'll take him time to heal, but that's okay, because he's also suspended from duty, pending a full investigation into his involvement with Mia's death, not to mention all the breaches of county protocol leading up to it. I couldn't get a read on his attitude over the text messages, but now, in the room, I'm amazed at how sober he seems to be. They don't have you on anything? I ask. James shakes his head. I told the doctors I was abusing pills. Also told the EMTs. And the nurses, I think. Pretty much everyone on the way here? 
I told him I wanted to quit and that I needed help. I'm under observation now. I'm off everything. That's your first good decision in a long time. <laughs> Come on, I just got shot in the leg, which means I get a grace period. Oh yeah? Yeah, yeah, okay, no giving me shit until I'm all healed up. I see him smile, and I feel hopeful. For the first time, I really think he's gonna kick this addiction. So what's new with you? I've been doing rounds, focusing on the community, going out to meet Echoes I haven't seen in a while. <laughs> After everything that's happened, I can't wait around in my office for them to come to me. Right, but how are you doing, Ter? You okay? Yeah, it's, it's just been a lot these past couple of days. Well, if you want to talk, he gestures around the hospital room. You know where to find me. <laughs> it feels supremely strange that James could be the stable one while I'm flailing around. But we've both been subjected to unprecedented trauma. Maybe this is just another difference between us. How we deal with it. Leaning into either acceptance or anxiety. We shoot the shit for a little bit longer before I tell him I have an appointment to get to. That part is mostly true. Well, I'm sorry I can't stay longer, but I'll be back. Till next time, take care of yourself, Terbear. Bear. I think about James the whole drive home, hoping he sticks to the program, that he finds his way to the kind of life he wants to live, the kind of person he wants to become. Once I get back to Echo Park, I find Roque in the back office at the Circle Church. They've been spending a lot of time here since Mia's death. It's a crime scene, and Roque doesn't trust the police to handle it right. You busy? I ask Roque, standing in the doorway at their office. They look up from their laptop with bleary eyes. That a rhetorical question? Depends. Is yours? <sighs> We're not doing this. Just tell me what you want. I hold up the flash drive. I found this on Mia. After she... What? No, no. I should have said something sooner. Why aren't you taking this to the cops? Isn't that withholding evidence or something? I arch an eyebrow. You trust the police now? I asked Alice Virgo to look at it. It's clean, but encrypted. We can't figure out the password. Roque folds their arms on the desk. And you're making me an accomplice after the fact because... The folder is labeled Archigen Alpha. I wait for a reaction. When I don't get one, I shrug. The password prompt says, Eastern birds flap broken wings. I'm certain it's a reference to the eastern wing of the retreat, where Archigen sequestered Roke and the other Alpha clones during our childhood. But I wasn't an Alpha. I can't guess the answer. Roke makes a fist then flattens it against the tabletop. Let me see it. I hand over the flash drive. Roque plugs it into the laptop, then quickly types a long password. No second guesses. Whatever the prompt meant, it must be obvious to any alpha. The screen brightens. Did it work? Roque ignores me. Their eyes scan back and forth, 
Their face falls. A second later, their jaw drops. Oh, fuck. My stomach knots. What is it? Roque shivers. Twists the laptop screen towards me. See for yourself. At the top of the screen, I spot the Macalos Therapeutics logo. I bend down to scan the document. Phrases leap out. Reproductive cloning. Somatic cells. Accelerated growth. Epigenetic reprogramming. I don't understand at all. They're still... experimenting? Yeah. This is a blueprint for a whole new secret program. You're listening to Echo Park, starring Harry Shum Jr. Echo Park is a Realm production. Realm, your portal to another world. Listen away. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Echo Park stars Harry Shum Jr. and Nikki Toison. Written by Curtis C. Chen, Monty Lin, Millie Ho, Sloane Leong, and Jen Reese. Produced by Rhoda Beyeza, Fred Greenhalgh, Kaylin West, and Haley Wagreich. Directed by Pun Bandu. Executive produced by Molly Barton, Marcy Wiseman, Julian Yap, and Harry Shum Jr. Associate produced by Michael Coulter. Starring Harry Shum Jr. and Nikki Tauzon. Loop Group actors David Chen, James Taku Leung, Constance Pong, and Artemis Snow. Sound design by Krista Giametti. Mixing and mastering by Rory O'Shea. Audio editing by Jason DeWald. Original score by Martin D. Fowler. Music supervision by Marcus Begala. Production manager Alexis Latshaw. Production coordinator Angela He. Casting by Sunday Bowling and Meg Mormon. Cover art by Kendall Thomas and Louise Daisy. Executive in charge for Realm, Mary Asadolahi. Find more shows like Echo Park by following Realm on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at realm.fm. <laughs>